Hi, everybody. Welcome into another edition of the Lab Epstein Hitting Podcast, episode 135. Thank you for making us a part of your day and subscribing to the podcast as well. Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, leave a review as well and watch the show on YouTube, the Lab Epstein Hitting Podcast page, which will come in handy today because we're doing a mechanical breakdown. This is Mechanical Breakdown Series, Volume 40, a gold edition, breaking down the swing of Derek Jeter. So let's get right into it. Let me bring in professional evaluator, successful business owner, my former coach, friend, and co-host, Jake Epstein. I gave you a, a list of guys we could have done a few weeks back, and you picked Derek Jeter. So I think you should be pretty excited. I'm assuming you are for today's episode. I am excited. And then doing some of you know the video research just kind of refueled everything that I remember about him, uh, but uncovered some other other aspects of his minor league videos. Some of his, I mean, you don't even see minor leaguers that look like him anymore. He was skinny. He he was scrawny. He he wasn't like if you looked at his footwork, he was catching ground balls before his feet were getting into position. I mean, it was just the amount of development players receive now at a young age is so much different and it does make it harder on scouts because now guys, you know, their footwork is great when they're 16 years old, you know, at shortstop, their arms are great. Yeah. They, they hit the ball, but you really have to see them in games. And, and it, it, it's mind blowing to, to watch some of Jeter's scouting video. And I urge you to do that. I urge everybody to, to dig some of his minor league video up and some of the swings he takes. And he, He's hitting the ball like 80 miles an hour off the bat, 85 miles an hour bat. It's just such a different game. But somebody somewhere saw something so special from a, a tall, lanky 6'4 shortstop that has this special knack of performing at his best when times are toughest. And I don't think you can teach that. That is something that some guys have and they're able to slow the game down and they're able to flourish in the moment. And he might be the best of them all. You know, it's interesting with Jeter back in his day, you remember some of the superstars that were playing around him, Manny Ramirez, Alex Rodriguez, just to name a couple. They were always booed. And a lot of people said some bad things about them. They were hated. I mean, I know it's a yeah. strong word, but they were hated. They were, and you look at today's superstars, Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, those guys yeah. that go to every ballpark outside <laughs> their home ballpark and they get booed. They're hated. But when you look at Derek Jeter and you just think back to him as a superstar, and I mentioned all those guys that are superstars, not just regular major league players who didn't always get booed or would get booed, but it'd be a smattering of boos. It wouldn't be full-fledged yeah. boos. When you look at Derek Jeter, though, when he was on the road, he certainly would get booed. But even with Boston and their fan base, right. I can't think of another guy, maybe Ken Griffey Jr., who was a superstar like Derek Jeter, mm -hmm. who was just universally loved. Everybody loved Derek Jeter and respected his game, what he did on and off the field. Yeah, you're, you're right. And he didn't. I, I, in Boston, that would be probably the, the one place he would have gotten some booze, but nothing like when A-Rod stepped up you know, right. in the, in the box. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, just, just an interesting guy. There was you know, one of the clips I saw was I think Burt Blylevin and I don't know what year this was, maybe the early 2000s or the late nineties. And he said, he's just a clean cut, hardworking kid that enjoys playing baseball. And you can see it out there, you know, when he would, when he would play and he would hit, he was thoroughly enjoying himself playing the game. And I think sometimes players get caught in the moment of I, I have to perform for my teammates or for my team or for myself or for the fans instead of just doing what they grew up doing. It's just the stadium now has three decks on it. And I think sometimes that's really hard for players. But J Jeter was he was he, he he just held himself well. He didn't say anything. I don't know what kind of bad sound bites you ever got from him. His personal life somehow stayed out of the New York press for the most part. He admitted, though, a while on his documentary series on ESPN mm -hmm. that if Instagram and all of these things were around back then, he, yeah. that he his personal life would have been more on display. Yeah. Although I don't know because, you know, here's the thing about that, too, because Jeter's really smart. Yeah. He would have found a way and used logic. To work around that because there were yeah. cameras back then too and he went to clubs in new york and he yeah, hung sure. out with a couple of celebrities yeah 
I think he would have figured out a way not to look at Aaron Judge, for example, right? Yeah. Same, he's the same thing. There's all these cameras around Aaron Judge, and you never see Judge slip up in public. No, I don't know. And maybe the New York press wants to keep their heroes their heroes. That's true, too. Good and point. that could be, but yeah, I mean, and he wasn't married. You know, it's not like he was right. doing anything he shouldn't be doing. He was a single guy in New York and, mm-hmm. and he performed every day and he dated, you know, whoever he wanted to date, but it's not like he was sneaking around you know right. it's not like that was ever going to be an issue with him so um, anyway just uh you he, he did he, he lived a very good new york life and um he is well deserved too the guy pretty much took that franchise and and kept him relevant for for a long time and it's yeah. just now they're kind of digging out of that with judge and they're able to get to the postseason consistently well i don't know about that because the yankees now um they have a lot of uh, holes in their pitching staff. Everybody's getting hurt. Yeah, they did. What's going get on injuries. there? Yeah. Everybody's getting hurt. They're down to two guys now, Yankees pitching staff. Everybody's getting hurt. A lot of people are getting hurt in spring training this year, Yeah. by the way. Um, also, uh, yeah, be sure to subscribe to the podcast again, Apple, Google, Spotify. Uh, we've got some good topics coming up. And, and watch the show on YouTube, the Lab Epstein Hitting Podcast page. You can see our beautiful faces. Although when I when I saw Jake today, he he I asked him how how the lighting on my end looks and he says it looks good and usually you look horrible and he said it with a straight face so <laughs> I have I have good practice it's just it's more incentive for all of you listeners to to actually watch this episode on on YouTube right. to see how good Jim looks see how good and, I look uh, today as compared yeah, to previous sure. episodes where I'm really ugly apparently yes yeah that's what you said brother I didn't I'm not, you said it not me you're right uh, we got some good topics coming up in the coming weeks. Next week, we're talking about managing expectations. That'll be fun because Major League Baseball is starting up this week, and that'll be the first weekend of live actual Major League games. And, and managing expectations is a topic that stretches across high school, college, pro. So we'll be talking about that next week, episode 136. Again, subscribe to the YouTube page. Watch the show on YouTube, the Lab Epstein Inc. podcast page, and subscribe on the audio side. All right, a couple of things I do want to get to. Um, saw some things on Twitter this week, hashtag cancel spring training. Speaking of all these injuries, I saw John Smoltz. He made a comment that got people into not so much an uproar, but but they tried to make John Smoltz out to be an idiot. And I want to make those people now out to be an idiot. But I, I want to talk first about Shohei Otani. And I want to get your opinion on this in the World Baseball Classic. That just ended. And what better way to end it, too, with Otani on the mound, Mike Trout, in the box at the plate, two of the best players, arguably, on their respective teams. It's it's kind of hard to believe, too, that those two players are on the same Major League Baseball team, and they haven't made the playoffs in years, and the Angels probably aren't going to make the playoffs this year. It's amazing to me. It's astounding that those two guys are on the same team, and they're not going to the postseason. They haven't been to the postseason, probably won't go this year. Nevertheless, though, besides the point, with Shohei Otani, we did a mechanical breakdown on him couple of years ago and the one thing i said the scouts talked about shohei otani and said he probably wasn't going to be a very good hitter at the major league level probably just a one-way player which would have been him as a pitcher you said a couple of years ago i agreed with you that shohei otani could be a really great hitter when he puts on more weight he gains more muscle and more importantly he gains more strength and you look at shohei otani for lack of a better term that guy's a beast he put on the muscle, he got stronger, and he's arguing. I'm saying this is my opinion. I think he is the best, no disrespect to Babe Ruth, he is the best two-way player that we will ever see. And I hope people are taking snapshots in their head of this moment in time watching Shohei Otani play in his prime as a two-way player, both a pitcher and a hitter. Yeah, I don't – it's almost like his shoulders grew six inches in width since the yeah. time he came up. He is so big and strong. And by the way – fast i mean he beat out a routine ground ball to the second baseman who's playing deep in the world baseball classic he beat it out the guy runs he's so fast he's so athletic he's not getting hurt you know he's going full speed maybe he's on a different program than everybody else is maybe everybody everybody's pitching program needs a little bit more maintenance to it, you know, and, and a little bit less whatever's going on, you know, with all these pitchers getting hurt. I'm obviously not a pitching expert, but we are seeing a lot of that, you know, the last few years. So 
Um, but getting back to Otani, he is fantastic. He is great. And, and honestly, when I first saw swing, I was like, I don't know. You know, he finds barrels. He, he's kind of, it's kind of funny looking, you know, his lower body you know, stretches out and he's, but I'll tell you what, the dude creates some serious bat speed and his timing is very, very good. So his swing plane doesn't have to be perfect. It's just kind of that. That's how it is. And he hits the ball so hard that when he just misses it, it still goes over the fence. So he's he's an amazing player. And, yes, pay that man his money. You know, he's going to get you 10 or 15 wins a year on the mound and maybe be a shutdown guy in the playoffs. And he's also going to hit, you know, whatever, 2A. He's going to drive in close to 100 runs or 100 runs. He's going to hit 40 home runs. Like, I don't know. I don't have a problem with paying that dude $50 million a year. I really don't. So I'm looking up uh, Shohei Otani last year. This is kind of, I don't know, kind of a little little low to me, maybe. Yeah. But he finished last season with a war, wins above replacement as a position player, 3.4. But a five-win position, okay. So, okay, so his war last year as a position player was 3.4. I don't know. I'm looking up what his war would have been, if you're into that sort of thing, what his yeah, war would have been as a, two-way player last year uh all right i can't find it it was three yeah i don't know if i've seen that stat they should make it yeah it was 4.9 in 2021 that still seems kind of low for Shohei otani right you mentioned you know 15 wins on the mound and then as an offensive player something i don't know maybe they maybe they had the analytical departments haven't crunched the numbers yet yeah i mean offensively he's 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 good, right? But I don't, you know. He's not like what did he hit? What did he last year? So I was pretty close last year. He hit he hit thirty four home runs. Mm-hmm. He had six hundred and sixty six at bats. That's a full full season right there. So you know he struck out one hundred and sixty times. He had two seventy three. Good year, ninety five uh, runs batted in. You know that's a solid year. The year before, he hit forty six home runs and hit two fifty seven. Right, struck out almost 190 times. So, I, I mean, he's 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 not the best offensive player in the league, but the fact that the dude, you know, goes out and wins 15 games a year makes it unbelievable. Meaning he's going to hit in the middle of the lineup of any team out there. I just, it really is amazing what he's able to do, um, and he doesn't really take batting practice on the field much. You know, he j- takes it in the tunnel. He takes it off a machine. And he's just, he's so smooth and dedicated to his craft. I mean, you have to be super organized, right, to be a two-way player. I don't know. I, I can't wait to see where he ends up and how much money he gets. Because he's think, worth it. He's sturdy, too. I mean, he, I yeah. guess he was hurt pitching a couple years ago, but. We need we needed Tommy John, right? Right. You Once we, you get that, you got six good years again, right? Everybody's right. got to blow out their elbow. Right, just ask the Nationals, Cade Cavalli, Steven Strasburg, right? Yeah, everybody. Then you get you know five good years. You hate after. to say that, but it's like oh, it happens. What do you do? It ha- you throw that hard, it's going to go. Um, what do you think with Otani? I, I would love to. Yeah. I, I know you don't know. His, probably don't. You don't know his mindset, right? Or yeah. you, I mean, you may have a glimpse of his mindset. We don't know what's in his mind. But do you think he just has? So you have to look at it from this perspective. He probably has so much fun as a two-way player. He probably doesn't look at it like, okay, I have to do or, or a list of things that he has to do, cross off to get prepared for his next start or get prepared to face a certain pitcher that night. I mean, he probably says, okay, on this date, I'm scheduled to pitch. And then he looks forward to that. And then the next day, he probably, it's probably, what I'm trying to say is it's just fun, compounding with fun, compounding with more fun. He doesn't look at this like, I have to get prepared for this. I'm sure he does get prepared, knows how to get prepared. And it's obvious that he does because he's so mobile and so flexible. But the mindset, it just has to be something that is extraordinary. And we don't see it every day. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I wish I knew what it was. Is he so relaxed that it's, Oh, I'm I'm pitching in two days, but he's not sitting through a two-hour pitching meeting, right. you know, where he's got right. all these all this stuff going through his head, or and maybe he's not going through a two-hour hitters meeting either because he's got to throw a bullpen or he's got to stay sharp. You know, I wonder if it's just old school, like, hey, you're hitting tonight and you're you're gonna pitch every every five days, and he's like, okay, like I'm good with that, 
there was something I saw about, you know, does the Japanese national, does, you know, the world baseball, their national team, does, do, are they into analytics as much as, you know, the U S team, you, you touched on that last week. And I would be hard pressed to think that the Japanese weren't, um, pretty sharp with their analytic stuff, but maybe I, I, I could be wrong there, you know, and, and maybe Shohei is just kind of like a, a ball player, right? Which is, which is what it is. I have a, a player, uh, from Colorado that I trained since he was, he was a young kid. Anyway, the, the Brewers, we drafted him two years ago. He's big. He's a two way guy. So the reason he signed with the Brewers is because they let him hit, you know, it was because he throws really hard. He's six, seven or six. I think he's six, seven now. Anyway, but he hit like 99 or 100 miles an hour the other day, like mm -hmm. on the mound. And I'm like, they're not going to let you hit anymore. And he's like, all I want to do is be Shohei, you know, and he maybe he could be not a bad goal, uh, you know, like he's athletic. He could swing a bat. Will will they give him? And, and so he made the comment of if I wasn't in the U.S., if I grew up somewhere else, they'd probably let me hit all the time, you know, because I'm a pretty good hitter. But you know, do we pigeonhole players sometimes in in um, in the United States and stuff? I said, well, if you only threw ninety three, then they'd probably let you keep hitting. But you're putting up numbers like that, good lord! Who but it'd be league? fun to have another guy, another guy in the minor leagues that gets to hit, you know, when he's pitching. Who who who's the the guy? Who His name's Quinn Lowe. Quentin Lowe. Quentin Lowe. Yeah, and Quinn's probably 20, 19, 20. He's still like still a kid. And you worked with him, and all his brothers. He's one brothers. of four. So he was drafted out of high school. He was drafted out of high school here, Chatfield um, High School. You know, in, in uh, like Littleton here, not far away. He was. I had two guys that year that I had worked with. Mm -hmm. um, Quinn, obviously, personally. Uh, the other guy, uh, Tristan. I can't think of his last name. He. He was he's Canadian and he was part of the online academy for years. Mm -hmm. And then he got drafted by the Brewers again out of um, Southern Illinois University and killed it his first two years in the minor leagues. And then he got traded. He was in he was in a I don't know where he is now, but he, he was he was a guy that they anyway, it was a big league trade and he was the minor leaguer. But I had two guys that was really cool because, you know, I do my lists and all the mm -hmm. players that I need to go through and, and, and do reports on. And then it was like, Hey, I know these guys. Yeah. Like, that's, that's pretty cool. Cause these are the top, you know, couple. Did you see him play in person in high school? What's that? Did you see him play in person? Yeah. In high school when, when we were scouting and kind of looking at his swing. Uh, yeah, but that wasn't, I wasn't there to scout him. I was just there to be his hitting coach and his. Okay. His, well, see, you know, I want to make buddy. a point though, that that's what Jake, you helped Quentin reach his full potential. Right. Yeah. Still. So that's what you get. That's still and, there. Yeah. I mean, the, that's the, what you get if you sign up for the Epstein Online Indian Academy. Oh, thanks. That's right, Jim. Reach your full you, potential. You get a chance, man. You right. get a chance. All I can do is give you everything that I got, all my knowledge. Because that's right. I was telling somebody the other day, I just, I want baseball to be fun for kids. Yeah. And that's why I do what I do. That's why I do the the online academy, and that's why I, I work with coaches and I work with leagues because I want eight-year-olds to be playing when they're 14. It's too great of a game that teaches too many life lessons not to be available to everyone. And if kids don't hit, if they have catastrophic issues, then they quit. I'd quit if I wasn't any good. If I stunk at tennis or golf or whatever, I'd be like, hmm, I'm not going to go out there and fail all the time. So I'm trying to give people the tools to succeed as much as they possibly can, whether you you have show his eye-hand coordination and timing and athleticism or you have uh, mine. mine, you know, <laughs> or Jim's. We'll, we'll throw Jim on the stake. You know, you go where you go, right? If your top, if your ceiling is high school baseball, man, I want you to play high school baseball. If your ceiling is Division three, I want you to play Division three. If your ceiling is to be a, a major leaguer, then that's what we're trying to reach. So And softball, too, if you know. 100%. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a girl that we just started with, uh, who you've probably seen, and she's on social media a lot, uh, Lillian uh, Martineau, who plays baseball. She's uh plays high school baseball in Texas. She's a varsity high school baseball player. Um, decided not to play softball. Her sister plays softball, and she can swing it. She absolutely can swing it, and she works her tail off, and it's like, you know, if I can give her one thing to make her a little bit better, that's what I'm doing. Because she had a great swing, and we're trying to clean up one little move. And um, definitely check out our um, 
Twitter page at Epstein hitting because we're kind of working through the online stuff, like, you know, updates on how she's going to accomplish um, controlling her barrel a little bit more. Um, so it'll be a, a kind of a fun journey, but yeah, girls playing softball, girls playing baseball, girls rock. I sat down, my dad was over, um, who's, who's 80. He's old now. Right. But he's pretty sharp and he knows sports and we've watched a lot of baseball and softball and, and he hadn't seen a softball game in years. So, um, I, on the TV, we had Alabama against Tennessee, you know, it was like the number two team against the number 12 team, something like that. And he's like, this is unbelievable. Like these girls are diving all over the place. They're, they're making, he's like, I don't even care that it's they're diving. He's like, look how smooth that third baseman made that play. Just came in on a chopper, picked it through its sidearm. He's like, gosh, you just never saw that. And it just goes to show the development of athletes now at a young age. And, you know, whether it's offense or defense, you know, get your kids out there playing, throw the ball up against the wall. I think we, we met a generation where that went away, you know, where kids just were inside all the time and playing video games. I think now we're starting to get outside a little bit more and throwing a ball up against a screen or a garage. Just keep moving kids. And, and I'm telling you, you're going to get better. You are a Jakey plug today. Jakey plugs. I'll tell you, I don't even know where that I got off on a ramble there. No, it's fine. You promoted your Twitter. You promoted Epstein online hitting. You promoted, um, what's your garage name? Garage door painting services. Who? Garage door painting services. Who are they? Well, the people that have to repaint the garage. Cause you've been throwing the ball up against it. all. Oh, right. Long. Okay. I thought they were a real company like an idiot. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> By the way, speaking of Alabama, join Cassie Riley Bosha and I Cross Functionality, a new episode this Wednesday where we talk about feeding players feeding the mistake. You want to know what that means? You want to know what we actually are going to talk about and the points we're going to make when it comes to that? You're going to have to listen on Wednesday. Sorry. Wednesday at 9 a.m., Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, and the Softball Strength Academy YouTube page to watch the show. By the way, I don't know if you saw the comment on Twitter about John Smoltz. He was the common color commentator for yeah. the World Baseball Classic, and he made a comment, I think it was in the championship game, about how the USA, he knew going in, the United States, was going to have to score more runs or outscore their opponent to win. And I was really surprised by the amount of pundits, air quotes, the amount of podcast hosts who talk, all they do is talk about baseball on a daily basis. Again, podcast hosts, air quotes. And how many of them actually took that literally? And so this is what, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna put us on a pedestal. You already put me on the stake today by saying that I have had no skills and that I was ugly. Well, <laughs> geez, Jim, I don't think I put. I didn't that say way. that. Stuff. I mean, I <laughs> meant all of that, but I didn't come out and say it. <laughs> you did. You you did say I was I was <laughs> ugly in the beginning, or you alluded to it. I want to put, but I now want to compliment us both and say this is what separates the two of us and our deep knowledge of the game of baseball. Jake has more knowledge than me. That's that's uh, understandable, but we have more knowledge than not just the average person watching baseball, but the people who think that they have more knowledge than they actually do. What John Smoltz meant by that? Just so what did he, what did they they took it as they took it literally the and, and like you know when like runs. John Madden when John Madden used to do this too when he was commentating NFL games he'd say if the, this team scores more points than the other they're going to win and nobody really understood what that meant John Smoltz did the same thing in the World Baseball Classic when he said you Team USA has to outscore their opponents to win what he meant by that is that the pitching staff for Team USA wasn't very deep at all, both starters and the bullpen, but their lineup was stacked, and if that lineup went cold, they had no shot at winning. That's what he meant, and I'm amazed and he was that right. people did not understand, took that literally and yeah. didn't understand what he actually meant by that. Yeah, it was, you know, DeRosa was handcuffed that championship game. Oh, Jim Florentine. You know, <laughs> because he could, he had no more pitchers. You know, they they're on pitch counts. They can't throw. They can't throw over it. Guys got to get themselves out of trouble. I don't remember who was pitching. Uh, some some guy with a short last name, but oh, he just lost it all of a sudden with two outs. And I think he walked three guys, and he couldn't. And then, or he hit somebody and walked a couple. And then he they couldn't they couldn't bring anybody else in because they didn't have enough pitchers that day for the championship game. And that's exactly what Smoltz is saying. Is like we we got to hit and. Let alone Japan's like, oh, Shohei, he can, he's going to come in the ninth and shut the door, right? The U.S. really didn't have that luxury. They didn't have guys that were just going to put it out on the line for their but how do But how do people who say that they watch all this baseball don't understand that? 
I don't get well, it. Maybe they're just trying to have a soundbite or something. Or, no, I just think they're stupid. Yeah. Or I think that. they know more. I think they think they know more than they actually do. Yeah. Nothing worse in life than somebody who know thinks they know more than they actually do. <laughs> <laughs> That's nothing. Cheers. Nothing Cheers to that, Jim. <laughs> and then and then they start a podcast. <laughs> and they do it every week. So I just want to put throw throw that message out there on a more serious note that Jake and I know a lot more than all of you out there. <laughs> it's well for those guys. Our baseball not baseball and softball knowledge, quite frankly, yeah. is ten times deeper than any of you combined. <laughs> and that includes all of you listeners, by the way, on a weekly basis. So sorry. It has to be said. It's true. Anyway, all right. I know you're you're no, you're being you're leaving me out there on on my own to to just you know flag my own yeah I'll throw you a life preserver in a second now I'm, my own, I'm, yeah I'm getting you're, you're Gina ready just... for when you give me the give me the cue all right um, also there was another uh, thing on Twitter this week the when Reese Hoskins of the Phillies got hurt oh yeah there's a hashtag cancel spring training yeah and no that's not going to ever happen again. Twitter is the worst thing to ever be invented, by the way. Yes. Even 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 worse than TikTok. Cancel spring training. That'll never happen because there's too much money involved. God. Twitter really. There's some things on Twitter this week that got me a little, little, little fired up. Speaking of. It's uh, going to happen at some point. Whether it. I mean, if the season had started, it would have happened in a regular game. Right? Yeah. Like, exactly. Those non-contact injuries. Yeah. Those. You can't. You know, if a guy gets hit in the hand, yeah, then you may have an like an Altuve in the World Baseball Classic. You may yep. have an argument, but if it's a non-contact injury, yeah, then you just you know, I everybody's homework assignment this week: learn one thing about the game of baseball that you didn't know, and come back ready to go next week. And that includes everybody on Twitter. Everyone, everyone on Twitter. By the way, you can follow us on Twitter at social or at. Uh, Jim Tara and uh, at Epstein hitting on both Twitter and Instagram. So give us a follow, give us a like, and then when you follow us, you'll actually learn something, something tangible about baseball. Um, we do have a listener question we have to get to. And it's a good one. And I like listener with, questions. It has to do with the world baseball classic actually. So this question this week comes to us from bill. Hello, bill sent to us. Via Jimbo Podcast 21 at gmail.com. Bill writes, hi, guys, watching the World Baseball Classic and, and seeing how many good players, both pitchers and hitters, were on Team Japan. Why don't more Japanese hitters get signed by major league teams besides the two or three that come over to the United States annually? Not sure there's a definitive answer to this, but thought I'd pass the question along. Great show every week. Thanks. And that comes to us from Bill. He didn't say where he was from. That's okay. But that comes to us again from Bill. Sent to us via Jimbo Podcast 21 at gmail.com. Jake, what's the answer? Well, I don't know, but I like some of those Japanese hitters. I'm with Bill. Um, God, the rhythm. And for years, you know, the Japanese players have kind of always had their hands out, bat vertical, and a very slow early rhythm, right? With the leg kick and they will turn in, you know, it's just what they're taught at a young age. Talk about development. They don't mess around with development in, in Japan. So why aren't there more? Well, a lot of times it's not like signing a free agent or drafting someone. They have to go through the professional clubs. So they have to pay the professional clubs and they have to pay the athletes. So sometimes that risk is a little bit greater if you don't know for sure. So I think that the fact that some guys are outliers and they shine above and beyond most those are the guys that come over and mm -hmm. the people that are maybe, you know, on the cusp, but they don't know about, they're going to give those guys a couple more years before they, you know, essentially buy their contracts out from the the Japanese organization. So that would be my best take on it. On, on why yeah, that's, that that's the, happen. that's, that's something that, that can't be glossed over either. To, it, yeah. You have to pay the, the posting fee and, and yeah. the lot for teams. A lot of times it's a lot of money and that mm -hmm. prospect, that Japanese player better be worth it. If you're paying that huge posting fee, it's not always very big, but for the posting yeah. fees that aren't very big, those players probably can't, play major league baseball and succeed over in the United States as much as they would in Japan. Yeah. But I, I think the talent pool in Japan is fantastic. I think they do a, 
a great job of, of developing. It's one of the, you know, why are, why are there so many great major leaguers that come from the Dominican and come from, you know, Venezuela, even though the, the pools are even Puerto Rico, right? There's not a ton of players in, in those, or, or there's not a huge population in those countries. Well, that's the main sport, you know, why, why are soccer players in, in, in Europe so great? Cause you know, they don't play American football and there's not a lot of like basketball that goes on. So the best athletes at a young age start playing that sport. And I think in Japan, you're, you're getting that you're getting baseball is one of the main sports there. And so you're getting the top tier athletes. I mean, what was, I, I think I commented the other day, I think it was Shohei was Sadaharo. Oh, they took a picture together. And I think Oh, could have fit in Shohei's hand. I mean, he looked like a little, you know, he was an all-time home run hitter, this guy. I don't care where it is. You still got to square up a ball and hit it pretty far to get it over a fence. And this guy is, you know, half the size of the current greatest, you know, Japanese player that that we have. So it just shows that athletes are bigger, stronger, faster, more developed now. But, you know, if Shohei lived in the U.S., he probably would have grown up being a defensive end or a tight end yeah, um, or maybe a wide receiver if he could run. And he probably wouldn't have played much baseball. So um, I, that's why I think the Jap- uh, the Japanese players are really going to continue to to come in and uh, do very well in Major League Baseball. All right. So a good question. Thank you, Bill. Any questions, email us, Podcast 21 at gmail.com. All right. Let's get into our Main topic today, uh, this is um, Mechanical Breakdown Series, Volume 40, Derek Jeter, the Gold Edition. Doing a Gold Edition this week with Derek Jeter. We've got a lot of good breakdowns coming up, but this one in particular, I'm looking forward to because he was one of the best, I think, contact hitters, one of the best gap-to-gap hitters in the late 90s, early 2000s, I think, with Derek Jeter. I mentioned that teased this last week. I said that there were some instances where he was – and parts of his game that were overrated, others that were underrated. I think I'll start with the overrated part first. I think that his range was very overrated. I think that whole jump throw play was ridiculous. You never see a shortstop. You don't see Lindor, Correa, Turner throw out a superstar shortstop who I'm missing in today's game. You never see him do that jump throw from the hole. Jeter did it because he didn't have the range, in my opinion, and he didn't have the arm strength. Notwithstanding, he had great athleticism, and that oftentimes was underrated and not looked at 100% fully. I also believe that Jeter was underrated when it came to his offensive game, his power. He had more power than people let on, and his bat-to-ball skills were incredible, Jake. They were some of the best, in my opinion, some of the best bat to ball skills that I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I agree a hundred percent pitches. I mean, he would take pitches. He cheated so much to hit balls away, but mm-hmm. he could still get two pitches in. It wasn't always pretty, but he could still get to them and he could still get barrel to them. And um, he just he had great instincts. You know, he had great instincts. He saw, he saw that pitch out of the hand. Well, his, his motor skills were in, in, impressive and, I, I would totally agree with the bat to ball skills. And and he was whippy. Like people don't realize he was whippy and he was built for whip, right? He's 6'4, 200 pounds, um, lanky, and he really hit the ball out in front. When people look and they say, oh, Derek Jeter hit the ball, you know, deep in the zone and went to right field, it wasn't always that deep. Yes, he hit the ball to right field, but he wasn't always, you know, hitting it off of his back hip. He was just set up that way. So, um, in fact, the the video we're going to look at here is a pitch away that he hits over the fence into right field. It was elevated a little bit, um, and that was his his game. You know, he just loved right center field. He had so much time that with two strikes, if 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 he could sit on breaking balls, he could still get jammed and hit a fastball into right field. And he had no problem doing that. He found a way to get on base, and maybe that's why he was so clutch was because he had that confidence in himself. What do you make of his hands and his stance change? When he was an amateur, when he was in the minor leagues, his hands his were next to his back right shoulder. He was a right-handed mm-hmm. batter next to his back right shoulder. And then he moved his hands up. And he talked about it in his book a little bit about why he made that change because he wanted to be straighter to the baseball. Mm-hmm. That's not an easy change to make. You know, you make that change yeah. when you get to the professional level as an 18, 19, 20, 21 year old kid. He made that change actually prior, I think it was to the 1996 season. So he already had a taste of playing in the major leagues. What do you make of that change? Because that, again, to me, it seems like a small change, 
but it's a bigger change than what people lead it on to be. I think he felt stronger there. You know, I think you get your hands up there and, you know, he was a guy that thought about really pulling and we'll see that here, pulling his hands forward, um, which uh, I don't know how many times on Twitter uh, the, yesterday I saw players, oh, you got to, you got to turn and the hands don't do anything, you know, and I'm just like, God, what are we, what are we looking at? And like go spend a day at a major league field and listen to major leaguers talk. <laughs> it's like, in fact, that's saw Shohei Otani who swings up a ton in the on-deck circle, taking a stride and chopping down mm-hmm. in the on-deck circle. He doesn't even stride or swing down when he gets in the batter's box. Like, his, <laughs> But that's yeah. his feel, right? That's what he's working on. So I think with Jeter, you know, he really liked to set his hands. I think when he got his hands up, almost like a golfer sets their hands at the top. It's an interesting move because it's almost like a cast, but then he resets it with mm-hmm. his hands and the, and the bat. And it's why he was so whippy. And when he did get balls out in front, he hit balls far. Like he hit, you know, he hit the ball over 400 feet when he would actually pull it and get his bat head to release. And so he set that up. So maybe it was a feel, um, probably not a huge difference. If you were to look at his launch position when he was 20, 21 versus, you know, when he was 35, I bet that at heel plant, his hands were probably in a similar spot. I just think he kind of loaded them up a little bit more, which a lot of guys do. If you look at Matt Olson uh, for the Braves, you know he starts with his hands way out over home plate, and then he lifts them way up over his head during his load process. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, you would never think he got his hands there unless you slowed it down. I think Jeter was probably probably the same way. It made him feel stronger because he was a thrower. You know, he was a guy that tried to throw the barrel um, out there. And sometimes, you know, when you lift your hands a little bit in the load, it gives you that feel. So before we get into his mechanical breakdown this week, and again, mechanical breakdown series, volume 40, gold edition, breaking down the swing of Derek Jeter today, what are the things about his swing that stuck out to you, both positive and negative? Um, Mechanically, he was... He had a he had closed down with a stance, so that's one thing that he he set up. His front foot always came in towards the plate when he landed. Mm-hmm. His front shoulder stayed in very very well, probably because his hands were up a little higher and he was thinking right field. And then probably the last thing was he he really did lead with the knob. You know, he gets his hands in front of his body, even though like this pitch he hits out to right field. You know, he's not letting it get super deep. He's utilizing some of that that whip out in front. So. His hands were great. He stayed inside the ball. He did have a wrist roll, but it wasn't because of his hands. It was because of his elbows. So if you threw him inside, he would get tied up. And anytime you get tied up and aren't able to get your hands through, then your barrel works up into your follow through. I, I do that with a lot of people. That's why. So if you're a player that has trouble hitting the ball in the air to the pull side, that's usually why we're letting it travel and our elbows are getting crunched and we're not extending through the ball. So that would be, you know, the, the tendency was you want to try to get him out in. Um, you want to try to run balls in, but you better get it in because he yeah. was so quick and efficient with his body. If he had to turn, the dude could turn. Like his hips were hips were narrow and they moved fast and it pulled everything through. So if he was looking middle in, he could still close off with his stance, but he could still he could still get the pitches out in front. And, and again, the reason he was clutched and found a lot of barrels is because he could look away, away, away and still fight off a pitch in, right? Not necessarily hit a ground ball, but hit a, hit a soft line drive into right field just because of his, his like you said, bats and ball skills. All right, well, let's get into it. His swing, and again, to watch this, visit the YouTube page, the Lab Epstein Hitting Podcast YouTube page. Let's get into his Jim, swing. Can, can I, I, real quick, I'm sorry, I forgot to mention this, but I don't know what year it was. He was really struggling, and they set him down to do a no-stride technique. They took his leg kick out, and he always had a leg kick his whole life, and he was hitting, I don't know, 190 or something to start the season. And he was terrible. They, it was in spring training or something. They gave him the no stride. and It was 2010. It, yeah, it, it was bad. Like, he was <clears throat> very uncomfortable, and I yeah. said it publicly some. I don't remember if I wrote it, and my dad had an article or something at Collegiate Baseball News, but it, you can't just do that to somebody that's been taking a stride for so long. The reason is his strides either gotten too big, too fast, or too late, right? that That's what would cause him those issues. So anyway, they sent him down. I don't know if he, you know, had like a quasi injury or whatnot. And when he came back, he had his leg kick back. You could tell he worked down in Tampa on his leg kick, 
and then boom, all of a sudden he ends up hitting, you know, close to 300 by, by the end of the season. So when you're a player, the reason I don't like to do a no stride at a young age is if you have to all of a sudden go to a stride to get rhythm and to get more power and you've never done it, your timing is going to be horrendous. So I'd always rather a player have a leg kick or a stride at a young age, figure out how it works you know, get a thousand at bats under your belt before you make that decision when you're 14 or 15, if you really do need to go to a no stride. And I'm a big right. no stride guy, like with two strikes, you want to do that. A guy's throwing really hard. You're uncomfortable, but I never want to take a stride away from someone. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So sorry to get that out. No, you know, no. Good point. Topic. Let's, uh, let's get into the breakdown. All right. So here's Jeter for the podcast. Um, this was a home run to right center field. This is the same swing, even though we're looking at um, a front view on the left and then the side view of the same swing on the right. It was a home run to right center field. And I want to talk a little bit about number one, his footwork. This is a big dive. So we're looking at the front view right now. Look at the catcher start with his glove up and then go down. How different is that than today where they start with it on the ground? Okay. I digress. Um, but as Jeter comes down out of his stride, look how quiet the number two is on his back. Okay. As he's planning his foot, I would say 90% of amateur players that I see and work with do not keep their shoulders quiet like this as they're swinging. Okay. They're, that, those shoulders are starting to turn usually as the foot's coming down. And that creates a lot of problem for adjustability and for creating separation. So there's Jeter at toe touch. You can see his, his heel line is almost facing right the second baseman maybe the the three four hole something like that that's where his body's facing that's where his his foot line is facing he gets to heel plant and you can see him sink into his front hip okay so that's why it works i'm going to highlight his left hip here from toe touch to heel plant look how much his hip starts to rotate back okay at the same time look how we could still see the number 2 it hasn't really changed much has it okay that's where your initial power source comes from. And again, he was built for that. I remember Ted Williams saying, uh, telling my dad that, you know, guys that are tall and lanky, they're going to get more torque. They're going to have a bigger torque angle. Guys that are stockier, they're not going to have as much, but those muscles are tighter and they're going to explode more. Okay. So somebody like Jeter versus, um, I'll use, geez, I don't know, like uh, Schwarber, Donaldson. for instance, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, we use Schorber, who's yeah. who's thick, and you know he's not going to get this kind of separation and, and flexibility out of his body. But what he doesn't need, he, he has so much strength, Schorber, it doesn't matter. All right, so there's his launch position. Excellent. You can see his hands kind of up by his ear, which we see on the right. I'm going to try to take that swing on the right, the side view. That's probably the same position right there at heel plant. Okay, one thing you notice is, his his angle between and this is not something that i would teach okay the angle between his uh bat trying to draw it in here okay i try to do a better job okay his bat and his forearm is a pretty big angle okay it's 128 degrees most major league players are 90 or less in this position okay that bat is almost wrapped around their head so why is this good or why is it bad well if it moved back from here, if it started at 90 degrees and then it went to 128, that would be really bad. But he's going to go from 128. Now watch him. We're looking at the side view now. Watch him pull that knob forward and watch his elbow get in front of his Yankee emblem on the front of his shirt. So then as he pulls his hands forward, if we draw a line through his forearm and the bat... I mean, it's a different view, but you can see how much tighter that angle is. So that's like a golfer. That's what a golfer does where they hinge their wrists kind of on the downswing and they create tension. So notice how far out in front the knob is of his body in this position. This is amazing. Look how short the barrel is. I mean, the barrel is only like 10 inches behind his back. Okay. This is a very short approach to the ball. So I'm going to bring that back again. And as he rotates, again, he's pulling the knob forward. Think about, you know, if you're you're lifting weights and you have the, the stack weights set up and you use the rope, right? We mm -hmm. all know the rope for your triceps. And you put it there. And <clears throat> essentially what he's doing is he's pulling those stack weights kind of down and forward with the knob. 
Yeah, he's pulling and it's creating tension in his hands. And then he gets that knob out in front. So in this position, so Jim, I brought it to a position where the barrel is now released away from his shoulder. Okay. But his front arm is like almost straight. His right elbow is nowhere near his rib cage, right? Everybody talks about you got to keep that elbow next to your ribs. It's got to be dug into the ribs. No, it doesn't. If you do that, you're going to spin off usually. Okay, you're going to run out of bat. You're going to hit balls off the end of the bat. He gets that elbow out in front, and then by the time he releases the barrel, okay, I have he's hitting it so far out in front, I got to move the video over. There he hits it. I mean, that does not look like a home run to right center field. Okay, but how was he able to hit a ball? See the space between his hands and his body? Okay, that's awesome. Okay, I look for that with all my players, this this nice kind of hole right in here between the arms. Again, this is a contact. This isn't post-contact. There's the ball on the barrel. I would consider that barrel. That's about as good as it gets, okay? So now, why was he able to hit this pitch that far out in front? Now, it looks more out in front here because of the view of the camera, but it's definitely at his front toes, okay? It's at his front foot. The reason is, is because he closed his stance down. So when you close your stance down and everything faces right field, it allows you to hit the ball out in front more to right field, okay? Um, and this pitch was what? It was like ball, trying to see where he hit it. I would say this is like ball five. I mean, it's a good pitch to hit, right? So here's ball one there, two, three. The pitch was about belt high to the yeah. outer half. It's probably ball five. Like it's a good pitch to hit, and he didn't miss it. But – if he didn't dive as much, if he didn't extend through the ball as much, so I'm mm -hmm. going to go a little bit further, look at his right arm extend through all the way. So not only does his right arm get straight, look at how his right palm is still up, okay? That's how you don't roll over balls, okay? And then if we look, I'm just going to put a little vertical bat angle line here from the front. I have him right after contact. His bat vertical angle is mm, – I don't think I drew that – quite right okay again it's well maybe i did 24 degrees okay what do most people want they want 30s not jake just look at my blast video in your library <laughs> online academy people there it is again jim but look at his barrel after contact it's still 24 degrees or right around 24 degrees that's how you extend through without manipulating the barrel to either hit under the ball more or over the ball more, okay? So it's just a solid swing. The guy was mechanically compact. He had that, the 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 one outlier move I would say that he had was, was that when he launches his swing, his knob isn't at the catcher, okay? That's kind of, you know, everybody talks about, you got to have the knob at the catcher, knob at the catcher. His knob is almost facing right behind the, you know, his uh, right behind home plate where most people I'm going to draw a line in there, their knob and their bat is kind of facing there. It's it's next to their helmet more, which is what I teach. Okay. I, if somebody did this, what Jeter's doing, and then, but by the time they pulled it back, so now I'm looking at the side view, see how that bat comes right down next to the trap muscle there? So that's a, that's a hand pull. I don't care what you call it. Some people call it pushing the hands. Some people call it pulling the knob. Um, I don't care what it is. It's a great move that everybody does. And notice how that bat maybe starts open and cast it, but then he slices right down over the top of his shoulder, his trap muscle. That's a great move. So if I had somebody that did that, I'd be fine with it. Now, if a player started, again, we're looking at this video on the, on the right from the side. If the player started with a bat where the knob was facing the catcher and then their first move was to throw the bat back away from the head, that would be bad. That we would have to change. But if it just starts here, think Ronald Acuna kind of does the same similar move. If it starts there and then it actually pulls closer to the ear, which is what you're seeing here, then you're totally fine. So this is a cool view of, hey, you know, Mr. Clutch, Mr. Hall of Famer, why was he able to be clutch? Well, he was able to be clutch because he had a good timing window. He was on plane for a long time. He didn't necessarily set any records with exit velos, but he set records with how many rings he had.
And to me, that's a pretty impressive feat. So I'm a huge Jeter fan because of that. He was a winner. He commanded respect from his teammates. And he played hard pretty much every inning of every game he was out there. And, by the way, his swing mm -hmm. mechanics were pretty good. They were. I agree. Yeah. They were very clean, clean mechanics. Yeah. Very wiry guy, like you mentioned, though. Great point there. Thanks, Jim. Very wiry. Wiry. <clears throat> wiry. Very, very wiry. Yeah. Very strong. He, had, he was very lanky. He was lanky, but he was deceptively strong i think his core was incredibly strong For sure too. i think what the but the most amazing part of that video of the the swing breakdown we just looked at where that pitch was on the outer half and how far he hit it out in front and he still managed to hit it over the wall in right center well right center is only 340 feet i think and right but it's but I'm, so my point is it's <laughs> rare it's rare though it's yeah. rare to see see a hitter hit a ball that far out in front a pitch on the outer half and hit it out, out in front and go to right center with it. Yeah, and not hit it off the end. Most guys are going to hit that. I don't think he wanted to hit it that far out in front. Right. right. That wasn't his goal, but the fact that he stays on plane and his extension is good without coming up too much or down too much out in front enabled him to get to the ball. So where you know maybe 95 other major leaguers on that same pitch with that same timing hitting the ball at the same point of the swing out in front by his front foot most of those guys are going to hit it a little bit towards the end of the bat and it's going to be either a ground ball to the pull side or kind of a weak fly ball to to right center all right well great work this week mechanical breakdown series volume 40 a gold edition Derek jeter next week the topic's right on the screen if you're watching on youtube managing expectations first weekend of regular season action across Major League Baseball. So we'll be discussing managing expectations for your season, whether it's high school, college, or pro. Do you have any other plugs you have to get in before we get out of here? No, sir. All Just right. to all my players, all my online academy players, make sure you're doing your homework. That's right. Because Epp will know if you're not. I always know if you're not. When was the last he... time you did this drill? Uh, mm. That's right. Mm -hmm. Now, stay sharp. I know it's season. So the, the reason I say that is we're in season. We're playing games now. Our, our schedule is a little different. After school, we have practice You know, every day. If you're, you're a high school player, still make time. Still trust the process. Trust your routine that we've built all winter long, and, and you'll have a good season. All right, perfect. Thank you for watching and listening, everybody. Be sure to subscribe. Email us your questions, jimbopodcast21 at gmail.com, and we will talk to you next week. Take care.